Oh, hey, how you doing? What up? How's it going? Welcome back. We're here for episode 16 of the podcast. Uh, apologies in advance if anything sounds weird, because uh, my computer basically had a complete and total meltdown this past week, and it's been a shit show. Uh, it's it's a mess. I Look, I, I love playing games on my computer. But man, is it, it is shitty when you have a computer problem. And it's like, you know, go figure, right? I, I feel like anytime there's a huge game coming out, I, like the day the game's coming out, I have a problem, right? That Wednesday that Cyberpunk went live on PC, I, I had an issue, struggled with it for a few days, it managed to work with it, and then my computer just had a complete meltdown last week. I thought it was the power supply. I just got a new power supply today. Put that in. It didn't solve the problem. Now I I'm a, I ordered a couple of RAM sticks. I'm going to try new RAM and see if that's it because I did get a memory issue. And a quick Google search said that that could be my problem. So I'll try that. If that doesn't work, I'm going to seriously look at just cannibalizing that computer. Uh, I put my... So I put my 2060 Super in my old computer and it's running fine uh it can handle cyberpunk my old 970 couldn't handle it at all it was unplayable and we'll get to more on that later but it's fine with the 2060 super cyberpunk runs i can use it so i i got a usable computer uh i'm actually gonna be i'll i'll touch on it a little later but i'm i'm changing how i where I play my games, really. Anyway, so here's the deal. We're going to hit the news. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about a couple games I've been playing, and then we're going to talk about the Mandalorian finale because it was fucking banana land. So let's get right into it. Obviously, we're going to start with CD Projekt Red. Um, like half the news I have listed here just revolves around them. Um, so way back on the 14th, what was that? Was that Monday? Yeah. On Monday, CD Projekt Red put out their first statement about the situation with Cyberpunk. Apolog- I don't even want to say apologizing. Like they say in here, so like this is how they open it, right? It says, Dear gamers, first of all, we would like to start by apologizing to you for not showing the game on base last gen consoles before it premiered, and in consequence, not allowing you to make a more informed decision about your purchase. Well, are are you apologizing that the game is a piece of garbage on those consoles or or you're just apologizing that you didn't let people know it was a piece of garbage right and and this is a big thing that you see in the way that CD Project Red has handled this there's there's a very I, I don't know what is the the proper way to describe it like like the general tone of these statements from CD Projekt Red is like, well, okay, you know, you're unhappy with the situation and I guess if you don't want to wait and give us a chance to update the game, you can get a refund. Like there's just sort of a very, I don't know, dismissive of the criticisms 
I don't know what the right words are to describe it. I just, the tone of these statements is shitty. And, you know, they, so this, this first statement, right? They said, hey, we're going to release a patch in January and we're going to release a big patch in February. And that'll hopefully clean up a lot of the issues. And it says right here, like, they won't make the game on last gen look like it's running on a high-spec PC or next-gen console, but it will be closer to that experience than it is now. Well, what exactly does that mean? Because you've been delaying this game all year, and, you know, just sort of sifting through the news and reading between the lines, a lot of those delays have directly related to the fact that you can't get this game running on last-gen consoles. So... What does that mean exactly? Because, quote-unquote, closer to that experience, I, I mean, you don't have to make a whole lot of ground for that to be true, right? So, I don't know. But then they said so you had through December 21st, which is tomorrow, uh, and it'll be the day this podcast is going up, actually, to ask for a refund. And they said, hey, Use the refund system on PSN or Xbox. And then if you got the physical game, try to refund it at the store. You got it. And if not, you could contact them through an email. So in this statement, sure, they kind of apologized, but not really. They say patches are coming. And then they tell you where to go for refunds and just sort of dump it on everybody else. Like, hey, if you want to refund the game, go refund it over there. Let them deal with it. And obviously the response to that hasn't been great. And I, I mean, I can't blame. So th this is, there's a lot going on here, right? I can't really blame PlayStation or Xbox for being overwhelmed by refund requests. Obviously PlayStation pulled the game down. You, you can no longer buy Cyberpunk 2077 on the PlayStation Store. And anyone who wants a refund can get a, a full refund, no questions asked. Which was obviously a massive move, right? A game this big getting pulled from a store is insane. So PlayStation pulled it down. Then the next day, Xbox announced that you could get full refunds for the game. It wouldn't be pulled from the store, but they did put a, a warning message up there. Not that anyone's going to pay attention to that. And then Best Buy, I know, said that they were doing full refunds. I don't know if anybody else has jumped on the bandwagon since. It's just a shit show. So, like, on the one hand, you, I kind of feel bad for these companies because it's like, you know, CD Projekt Red just dumped the whole refund issue right on their lap. Like, sure, CD Projekt Red is probably making up the money on the back end for them. But they're the ones who have to deal with it on the front. But at the same time, I look at PlayStation and Xbox, and I say, how the hell does a game like this get certified for release? Right, and this has been a little topic going around this week. And I know people have said, I know there was a huge Twitter thread here, where basically... Certifying a game for release doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the quality of the game. It's more about making sure that the game doesn't brick the console. Which, fine. But don't tell me that 
because honestly, I'm too skeptical. I'm skeptical with everything that I I see. I'm I'm incredibly cynical. I'm always looking for this stuff, and and a lot of that comes through because I follow sports, and that's how I follow sports. But don't tell me you weren't aware of the situation, the not the situation, the state of the game when you certified this thing. I, I have to imagine that in order to certify a game. You have to see the game performing on that console to say, yep, we're okay to release this on this console. You have permission to mass pr- to go into production and get your cons- copies out and whatever. There's no way, there is no way that this game got certified without someone seeing the fact that it can't run on those consoles. And I then look at PlayStation and Xbox and say, how the hell did you certify this game? Like, uh, it just did blows my mind it's not like we're talking about a game you know there have been games in the past obviously assassin's creed unity being a huge one that have been plagued by bugs right that happens and and i don't necessarily expect that to get caught in this sort of system right you'd have to really sink into a game i would say for like to certify a game you're getting someone to play the game for maybe an hour or two just to make sure that it runs fine. Uh, really, should probably be more than an hour or two. But you you put this game in one of those base consoles and you're going to notice immediately that it doesn't run. It, like, I I don't know. I... I just think it's inexcusable that this game got certified for release on consoles. It It's not ready to be on consoles. And really, unless you're on like a high-end gaming PC, the game's just not, it's not worth playing right now. It's too big of a shit show. Um, I mean, I have a, I had a GTX 970 in my old computer, which is obviously a wildly outdated card, but... I I dropped Cyberpunk all the way down to the lowest settings and I couldn't run it on it. So it's just the the game is is a mess. It's not polished, it's not finished, it's riddled with bugs. It it wasn't ready to be released. It needed probably at least another year. And CD Project Red is obviously getting eviscerated for it. Uh there was this uh emergency board meeting that they had last week. And I, I didn't read the full transcript, but it was a lot of a lot of CD Projekt Red just getting hammered for stuff. Obviously, there's shit going around about the developers being mad at management for setting unrealistic guidelines. And then, like, it just it it's just a mess. The whole the whole thing's a mess. But the one little bit, and this is the one that stuck out to me when I was skimming through the transcript here. And they've used this phrase multiple times where they say they didn't bother much with last-gen consoles or they needed to do a better job paying attention to last-gen consoles to making sure the game runs right. You're making a game. What do you mean you need to pay better attention to the console? You, You developed this game to be released within that generation. This game was supposed to come out on the PS4 and the Xbox One. What do you mean you didn't pay attention to those consoles? That that's just to me that's just so that's so bad, that's so inexcusable. <clears throat> and you, and I love CD Project Red, but they have taken 
They have taken their reputation and lit it on fire. And as far as I'm concerned, there's there's no coming back from it with this game. I mean, you have to redeem yourself with this game. You have to fix this game if you're CD Projekt Red. You don't have a choice. You can't release any DLC. You can't release the multiplayer. You, you have to fix the game. This is a game that needs to be fixed before you even consider adding anything to it. Because your reputation's on the line. <clears throat> and uh, now, if they fix CD Projekt, or CD Projekt Red, if they fix Cyberpunk, and then they come back with The Witcher 4 in a few years, and that game's really great at launch, then maybe you start to fix your reputation. But it, it's going to be a long time. They're, they did a lot of damage to themselves with this. And... Obviously, it's not the developer's fault. I mean, what do you what do you want to ask the developers to do? Right? They the game wasn't ready to be released, and they were told it was being released. I mean, it's not it's not the individual developer's fault. It's it's entirely on management and whatever. Obviously, and you can get into that, but I'm not wasting my time with it. The, the game's a shit show. It was horribly mismanaged, and it's. There, it's it's a long road ahead for CD Projekt Red, and I feel bad for the people busting their ass to work on it because they are the pressure is probably going to get dialed up to get these patches out in the next couple months, and I don't I don't know how realistic that's going to be because of how far away that game is. But that's a little on that. <clears throat> I'll talk a little more about the game in a little bit, but let's just hit these last few few notes real quick. Among Us released on Switch earlier this week. Cool. I think they also said it's coming to Xbox Game Pass. Great, great Xbox Game Pass game. Um, Among Us is going to end up on every console. It's super fun game. Um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla now sells experience boosts. So, if if you're not familiar with the recent Assassin's Creed games, obviously they all have uh, in-game stores. And within those stores, Ubisoft has sold stuff like, uh, I know in Odyssey there were like resource packs or you could buy, I don't know if you could buy money, but you could definitely get resources through the shop. You could get experience boosts, stuff like that. And they've now released the experience boost in the shop for Valhalla. Whatever. I I honestly don't pay attention to it. Obviously, the concern here is, you know, did you did you scale back the rate of experience in a game to incentivize someone to buy the permanent experience boost that you were going to put in your shop? Right? That's sort of a natural concern. But honestly, like I looked at this one and I saw people get worked up about it. You get so many fucking skill points in Valhalla. It's not even funny. Like leveling doesn't matter in that game because you just, you're given so many skill points. It's just, so this is really like a whatever thing for me. It it got some headlines, but it's, it's really not that big of a deal. Like just, just ignore it. Don't buy it. Whatever. Cause it it doesn't matter. Um, I got I got so many levels and experience. It, it's just no, it doesn't matter. 
Um, Hades. <clears throat> I don't know. Okay, so Hades, I believe, was already out on the Nintendo Switch. But now it has cross saves. So you'll be able to share your save file between your PC and your Switch version of Hades. Which is great. That's super cool. Um, Again, I I can't say enough good things about Hades. It's just a fabulous, fabulous game. Um, And like I said last week, the more I think about it so next next weekend we'll do the last podcast of the year and i'll i'll talk about my my game of the year the more i think about it the closer this game is getting to the top i mean it's like neck and neck it's right there i i loved hades it's a fantastic game Uh, i can't recommend it enough super good if you haven't played it yet you should get it it's fantastic uh and then the last thing here monster hunter rise is reportedly or rumored to be coming to pc nine months after release monster on the rise is releasing in march i believe so end of next year monster on the rise is coming to pc uh, i guess some tech details either leaked leaked out i think uh and that information came from Dark Side of Gaming. Whatever the hell this website is. I've never heard of it. But uh, it says right here, it looks like Nintendo paid 200 million yen for limited time exclusivity, which translates to about $2 million. Yeah, and this came from leaked documents. Um, cool. Although, wait, what? So the title... Of the article says it's coming to PC nine months after the Switch. And then in the actual writing, it says according to the documents, Capcom can announce the PC. Oh, they can announce the PC version of Monster Hunter Rise six months after its release. Got it, got it, got it, got it. So six months after the release, they'll announce it. It's coming to PC, and then they'll release the PC version a few months later. I'm probably just I'm gonna get Monster Hunter Rise on Switch and play it. I'm sure I'll have a good time. Uh, Monster Hunter World was my first Monster Hunter game, and I I really enjoyed it. So I'll be looking forward to that. Uh, don't know don't know what I'll use for weapon this time around. I, I generally like using bows, and I like the bow a lot in Monster Hunter World. But um, I don't know. We'll see. All right. Um, let's take a break. We're going to come back, talk about what I've been playing, and then we'll talk about The Mandalorian. Um, two games. I I was playing a bunch of Cyberpunk, and then my computer shit the bed. So I ended up picking up Immortals Phoenix Rising and playing that. So we'll talk about those two games a little bit, and then we'll we'll get into the good stuff. So I'll be back. All right, what up? We're back. All right, so... Cyberpunk. Let's just start there. Um, I don't know what I said. I don't remember exactly what I said last week. Um, but I, I, when I, the first couple of days I played the game, I wasn't totally into it. Um, I know I said it. If you had asked me the first couple of days, I would have given the game a very strong okay. Um, I, I thought it was just fine. The gunplay is kind of shitty. 
the, the the city's beautiful, but it's just it just wasn't it just wasn't doing it for me. And you know, I I thought this was one of those games where the first I took a couple of days off work for a long weekend, and I thought for sure I was going to put like forty hours in the first four days, and the first couple of days I put in like ten. Right? It just it just wasn't doing it for me. But I will say, in spite of all the game's issues. And the game certainly has a lot of flaws. There are a lot of bugs. And things don't really work right all the time. But I I am very much liking the game. I'm enjoying it a lot. I find myself enjoying the game. The more that I play it, the more I like it. Um, I think in particular, I just think Act 2 is very strong. Uh, the first act is, it's kind of dull kind of bland it doesn't really do a whole lot for me but act two has really won me over i i'm pretty much done with act two i was at the very end of it when my computer went fucking banana land um but it it act two is very good there's a lot of good side quests um there's a lot of really good characters the main story is interesting it's keeping my attention um i'm I have an idea of where it's going and I hope it's a little more creative than that because I feel like it's going to be super fucking basic and annoying me, but I'm really enjoying cyberpunk. I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's, you know, where before I was probably looking at it like a three out of five, maybe now I'm maybe in like the four range and that's probably where I'll settle. Um, so tonight, Back to my computer problems. Been having a lot of problems. I was trying to run it on my old computer at the lowest settings, and it's, it's unplayably bad. So I I ended up playing Immortals Phoenix Rising instead, hoping that I was going to be able to fix my computer. I couldn't fix my computer, but I got my graphics card in there now. I swapped those out, and Cyberpunk now runs fine. So I'm hoping to finish Cyberpunk up in the next few days, and then next week I can... I can give you my my overall thoughts on the game. I'm I want to say I'm like 37 hours in somewhere around there. Uh I don't I don't know how much longer I'm going to be in there. Something tells me I'm going this is going to end up somewhere in the 40s. I don't think it's going to break 50 hours, but to be determined, we'll see where I end up. So, I got more Cyberpunk to come this week. But I'm I'm liking the game and I'm enjoying the game. It's not it's not like top tier game of the year status, but it's it's decent. I'm enjoying it. If if you have a high end PC, it it's really good. You're you know if you're interested, you're gonna enjoy it. Um, but other than that, it's just it's not ready. Like I was saying before, it's it's not ready, and you you really need to do your homework if you're gonna get it and know what you're getting into because the game's not. It's an early access game. I I mean, that's the easiest way to put it. Um, so that, those are some more thoughts on Cyberpunk. Um, Immortals Phoenix Rising. This game, I know I've been shitting on this game the last few weeks. And I, and ever since the name change, um, I just, for whatever reason, my interest in this game has just been killed. And where they put it in terms of release, it's it's been killed. And I just... Haven't totally been into it. It sort of lost all of the the charm that it had. At least I felt that way. 
man, I'm enjoying the shit out of this game. I I have honestly been caught off guard by how much I'm enjoying Immortals Phoenix Rising. This game, honestly, the game's super fun. And I know it's just a shameless Breath of the Wild clone, but it's a really good one. And I've I've recently, so I've been a long-standing uh, believer that Breath of the Wild is overrated. I thought it was a decent game, but it didn't really do anything to win me over. Uh, but recent recently, I've really wanted to give the game another try and replay it and try to come into it with a fresh perspective and maybe maybe I haven't been giving it the credit it deserves or you know maybe I'm closer to the bone with where I feel on it uh but this has definitely you know sort of hit that itch for me a little bit uh I'm enjoying it you know it it's it's got sort of I don't want to say honestly you know what I bet you the weapon durability is a big part of it to be honest you know I just the weapon durability in Zelda sucked, and that that's not a problem here. I don't know. I'm just I'm really enjoying it, um, and that might just be the way that I play these games now. It's it's a nice little casual turn your brain off, play a game for a couple hours, just roam around, and I'm having a good time with it. Uh, and I like I like Greek mythology. I saw so for the DLC, they're doing one expansion where you go to. Uh, Olympus, I think. They're doing another expansion where you go to, like, Western China or something like that, and it's going to be all Chinese mythology with a totally new character. And then they're going to do a third DLC that's like a top-down isometric type game with a different character. This game has, like, totally caught me off guard. I'm really enjoying it. And, And it... You know, the the sort of, I don't know, cringy dad joke humor that they use, right? I find Zeus's jokes most of the time annoying. Occasionally, occasionally I'll, I'll give it a smirk or a chuckle. But, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not really totally my kind of humor. Some of the jokes have landed, but for the most part, it's whatever. Um, I'm just enjoying the gameplay, right? It's just, it's a fun little gameplay loop. It's not... It's not terribly hard. I'm playing on on the hardest difficulty available to me right now. Um but I'm I'm having a great time with it. It's it's a lot of fun. And that that surprised me. I didn't see that coming. Uh I don't know how long this game's going to take. I just finished so much like Breath of the Wild, there are four four gods that you basically have to release. And then you go fight Typhon. So same idea as Breath of the Wild with releasing the, what were they, the Guardians or whatever before you fight Ganon. But no, it's it's good. I'm enjoying it. Uh, I'm like, I don't know, 11 hours in, something like that. I've been playing, honestly, I've had a few hours before work a couple days this week because I got up early to watch The Mandalorian Friday, and then we had a huge snowstorm on Wednesday or Thursday. And I was up early and didn't have to go into work until a little later. So I ended, I've been getting up, just playing a couple hours before work. And I don't know, it's just fun. It's a really fun game. I'm enjoying it a lot. It's a good time. We definitely recommend it. Um, all right. So here's your obligatory spoiler warning. Because the rest of this is really just going to be about the Mandalorian finale. So if you haven't seen the finale yet, 
<clears throat> or you don't care about spoilers. Here we go. We're talking the Mandalorian finale. Good finale. Good, good finale. Great season. You know, for those not familiar with the Star Wars animated shows, I've said this before. Th- this is what the Star Wars animated series are like. Uh, they play out in a very similar fashion to season two of The Mandalorian. And this is how these Star Wars series are going to be moving forward, right? There's a lot of crossing over, a lot of references. It's it's good. I love it. Uh, it it's a great medium for Star Wars. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, the TV medium has been way better for Star Wars than the movies. Because it just it gives it a little more room and and it's done really well. And obviously Dave Filoni's involved and John Favreau's doing this and it's all good. All good. It's all terrific. Mandalorian season two was excellent. Um, Luke Skywalker. <laughs> uh, so in the last couple of weeks, I've, I've really sort of come around to the idea that it wasn't going to be Ezra who showed up because I... I saw someone mention that they thought the scene at the end of Rebels where Ahsoka returned may have been after her appearance on The Mandalorian and that really got my wheels spinning because it's like, all right, so we're seeing Ahsoka. At this point, she hasn't found Ezra yet. She hasn't found Thrawn yet. She's still looking. Maybe her series... So she... She looks very Gandalfy at the end of Rebels, which which does make me wonder if maybe she's gonna go lean back towards the Jedi, and you know, the logo for her series with the world between worlds and maybe being more on the mystical side. Maybe maybe she comes back to being a Jedi, so it would make sense that that's at the end. So if she hasn't found. Ezra yet then it wouldn't be Ezra who shows up and I can't imagine I mean it could have been Cal Kestis I I mean there's there weren't many options so I'm not surprised it was Luke um I don't love the CGI Uh, I guess if you're just gonna use Luke in these like short little pop-ups then the CGI is fine I, I love that Mark Hamill's in there voicing him the CGI just looks kind of bad. Uh, if you're watching from a distance on a smaller TV, it's not too bad. But like when if you're watching it close up on a monitor or something, it's <clears throat> it's noticeable. Uh, it's just lifeless. There's no really like emotion behind it, and and it's a big problem with Luke too for me because Luke's portrayal almost constantly is just this very stoic monotone overly calm guy that I just don't like I just I there's just no there's no energy behind him a lot of the time when he talks and and that really sticks out with this and I don't love so like you're gonna use him in a small role I get it I don't love that he just shows up, mows through the ship, walks in the room and says, hey kid, come with me. All right, we're leaving. See you later. Like, it makes the Jedi look kind of like psychopaths, right? Like, what, you just show up, walk in, take the kid and leave? 
so I don't know. It's, but I mean, it was it was great. Um, and obviously, R two showing up was fantastic. Um, Din taking off his helmet so that Grogu could see his face and so that he could see Grogu, you know, with his actual eyes, sort of mirroring Darth Vader at the end of his life was super cool. Um, Din's duel with Moff Gideon was great. Moff Gideon, the look on his face when he realized that Luke was coming and nobody else in the room knew it was Luke. You could just tell he knew it was over. Uh, it's just, oh, it's all so good. The whole the episode is just so good. Um, but <clears throat> one, it's, it's great to see the Star Wars fan base come together. You know, the Star Wars fan base, I've, I think I've said this before on here, gets shit on a lot, you know, with the, oh, no one hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans, nonsense. And the, you know, people, you know, when this sequel trilogy got ripped, ripped um, criticized really heavily, you know, a lot of people were getting ripped on all, oh, you know, you're just, you're mad that, you know, the main character's a girl, or you're mad about this, or you're mad about that. And it's like, no, people were frustrated because they didn't like the the material. It it had nothing to do with any of those other factors. And and I think this season of The Mandalorian highlights that whole point that people just for whatever reason refuse to accept when Star Wars gets criticized. And there's a reason it got criticized in the sequel trilogy because people didn't like the material. You know, people freaked out when Ahsoka came into The Mandalorian. She's She's like the first prominent female force user really in Star Wars mediums in terms of like a lead, right? Like I'm not counting like uh, like Mara Jade from like the old books or whatever. Like if you look at like the last, call it, I don't know, whatever, 20 years, TV shows, movies, ah- Ahsoka's it. No, she's one of the most, she's maybe the most popular Star Wars character going right now. Nobody cares that she's a woman. That has nothing to do with it. It's, it's just... When people don't like the material, just let them criticize the material. It's okay. You don't have to come up with some stupid excuse as to why their criticism is irrational. And The Mandalorian highlights that. Because you have all these... You have old characters, new characters, new storylines, tie-ins to the sequels, tie-ins to the prequels. Everything's in there. All the stuff people like is in there. And... I I personally <clears throat> I understand why people didn't like the portrayal of Luke in the last Jedi. It's one of the only things in the last Jedi that I actually kind of like because I think making your character just the the perfect hero is super boring. And like there's just there's just nothing interesting about it like Luke is just he's the perfect Jedi every time he shows up in the old EU who cares about like that's boring there's nothing interesting there I want my characters challenged and the idea that Luke actually failed is interesting right Luke failed he wanted to give up on the Jedi the problem with the handling of Luke in the last Jedi in my opinion is that he never gets you know the moment right like the force projection, sure, that's what it's supposed to be, but it it doesn't work. Like that's not that's not Luke, 
right? It's not his green lightsaber's not there. He's not he's not actually really doing anything. He's just sort of there. And this episode of The Mandalorian gave people that moment that they wanted from Luke in the sequel trilogy, right? We we wanted that moment where, you know, Luke in all of his Jedi Master glory just rips through everybody and you can't stop him. And, you know, it it's perfectly contrasted with how hard Din has to fight to take down one dark trooper and Luke just rips through all of them. Right, it's just that's that's his moment. That's the moment people wanted, and it was great. You know, the second this, so I got up at three o'clock in the morning to watch this before work, and the second I saw the X-wing come by the the window, I was I I jumped up in my bed. I was sitting up in my bed. Comforter was half off. My room was freezing cold. I didn't care. I, I'm pretty sure my mouth was open the entire time. I jumped right up out of my seat and I said, oh my God, it's Luke. As soon as I saw the X-Wing. And it's great because you. I went through and I watched some people's reactions to the episode on YouTube. And, and you can tell, right? The, the big fans of Star Wars, they saw that X-Wing and they knew it was Luke. You didn't have to see anything else. You just, you knew it was Luke. And then that first shot, you see the green lightsaber, and then afterwards you see you see the black glove on his hand, and it's like that slow sort of trickle, and it's like, oh, it, oh, it was so good. It was so well done. Just Luke, just in all his glory, it was handled fantastically. Um, and it, it's it's great that Luke finally gets that moment, because Luke needed that moment, and... And it was a freaking pleasure. I everybody loved it. <laughs> I haven't seen a single person say anything bad about it. It was just, it was terrific. It was fantastic. I loved it. Um, the post credit scene. I'll tell <laughs> Boba Fett, man. They have found a way to make Boba Fett just awesome. <laughs> like, I know Boba Fett was always super cool. But holy crap, was that awesome? He just just roll up, don't say anything, shoot any everyone in Jabba's palace. And the theme that they're using for Boba Fett is just badass as hell. And sneaky, sneaky, one of my favorite new characters that's been introduced in the new Star Wars canon is Fennec Shand. I'm, hold on, let me let me Google this because I don't want to say it wrong because I'll feel like a jackass. Ming-Na Wen, who plays Fennec, is fantastic. She is just awesome. And the, honestly, I, I love that character. I don't know what it is about Fennec that I, I love, but I just do. And she's going to be in the Bad Batch series, so I'm looking forward to that. Oh, she's just, she's great. Um, so the book of Boba Fett is coming. Um, it's, so this is the Boba Fett spinoff series that's been rumored for a long time. They didn't announce it at the Disney investor meeting. So I was, I was kind of like, whoa, where, you know, where's the Boba Fett series? And obviously this is why, cause they were going to announce it after the Mandalorian finale. <clears throat> but 
it was done in a really vague way where it was sort of like, okay, so Din's journey here with Grogu is over for the time being, and you announced the Book of Boba Fett. And the phrasing, the Book of Boba Fett, sort of resembles like the the chapter divisions in like Avatar, where it's, you know, Book 1, Water, Book 2, Earth, right? Like Book the book of Boba Fett, like are, is season three of the Mandalorian going to be a, a Boba Fett centric show. And I don't think that's the case, but it was really vaguely presented there. Um, actually here, let me make a note real quick before I continue. Cause I'm going to lose my train of thought. Cause I want to touch on this, but um, so anyway, so I think the best way to think of this the way the Star Wars Disney Plus series is working, think of the MCU, right? Think of the Mandal- call it the Mandalorian saga, if you will. So the Mandalorian saga is the MCU. And each season of a show is like a new movie in the MCU. Right? So they release Mandalorian season 1, Mandalorian season 2. Now you're going to get The Book of Boba Fett. Then you're going to get The Mandalorian Season 3. Then you're going to get, I don't know, Rangers of the New Republic. Then you're going to get Mandalorian Season 4. Then you're going to get Ahsoka. Like, so it'll... I think that this Mandalorian timeline is going to work like that. Where these different seasons are all going to come out mixed together. And they're all going to cross over and they're all going to be interconnected. And there's going to be, at the end, we're going to look at it and say, Okay, you know, this is the Mandalorian Saga or whatever. And there's going to be like one solid string of show there in that that period of Star Wars. And I think I think that's really going to work. And, and I think it's a really great way to approach it. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. You know, the, the book of Boba Fett's going to come out and then Mandalorian season three should come out sometime after that. So that starts next December. I'm super pumped for it. Um, I just want to touch on the Darksaber real quick. Um, Obviously, Din beat Moff Gideon in the duel. So he got, he has the Darksaber, right? That's the way it works. You challenge someone, you fight them, you beat them, you claim the Darksaber. You now have the, the rule of Mandalore. You have a claim to the throne, if you will. Um, It didn't occur to me that that other that people who don't watch the animated shows wouldn't know that because uh, my friend texted me and said he thought it was a cool twist and I was like oh yeah you wouldn't know that but that's generally how it works you know um, not Gar Saxon who the hell does Maul challenge Pre Vizsla uh, in the Clone Wars Pre Vizsla owns the Darksaber and Maul shows up and says hey I'm going to fight you, and I'm going to beat you, and I'm going to take this planet. And that's what he does. He fights him, claims the Dark Sword, rules Mandalore. That's just, that's that's how the system works. It's a warrior-based culture, and the Dark Saber travels whoever wins it. Uh, and obviously, Moff Gideon uses that to pit Din against Bo-Katan. Except if you watched Star Wars. And then, hold on. So then the Mandalorian Din looks at Bo-Katan's like, here you go, take it. 
And he's like, nope, she can't take it because she has to win it in a fight. And he's like, okay, I yield. Take it. And she won't take it. And she says he's right and blah, blah, blah. Except if you watched Star Wars Rebels, the first time Bo-Katan gets the Darksaber, she doesn't win it in a fight. Sabine wins it in a fight. And Sabine doesn't want it because she doesn't want to rule Mandalore. So she turns around and hands it to Bo-Katan. And Bo-Katan takes it and rules Mandalore. So it just, I I couldn't help but have it stick out at me like a sore thumb. Because it's like, ah, uh, Bo, the first time you got the Darksaber, you didn't win it in a fight. Just take the damn thing. So small, small thing there. Obviously, they're aware of that. They didn't just make a mistake. The the theory, the most popular theory going around, and this one's probably the case, is she probably feel, you know, there were probably people who weren't loyal to her because she didn't actually win it in a fight or they'll portray it in a way where she thinks she failed and she, for her to redeem herself as the leader of Mandalore, she has to actually win the Darksaber. They'll come up with some explanation like that. <clears throat> Maybe there were people who challenged her authority because she didn't actually win it. Whatever. So obviously, the Mandalorian is going to twist into a more Mandalorian-focused show on the Mandalorian conflict and retaking the planet and whatnot. And that'll be super cool. Uh, Another Mandalorian war would be really fun, especially in live action. Uh, and then the only other thing, so Grogu's with Luke now. I can't imagine Grogu's going to be with Luke very long <laughs> because uh, they got to find a way to get Grogu out of that temple before Ben Solo rips through it and kills everyone. Because I imagine Grogu's going to be a part of Star Wars for a long, long time. And my my guess right now is that in Ahsoka's series, she will uh, come back to the Jedi eventually meet up with Luke, take Grogu to to train him, and in the Rebels sequel, Grogu will probably be in there. If I had to guess, that's how I think it'll play out. And I'm sure there's stuff that I missed. Uh, There there was a lot going on in that finale. I, I love The Mandalorian. I think it's fucking terrific. Uh, oh. Yeah, I'm... I'm not sure... I did think it was cool. So. Not cool, but. Fucking Mark. Mark Hamill tweeting out. Uh, this was maybe. Oh, what time did he tweet this? It wasn't like right when the episode went live. It was probably a handful of hours later. Here it is. I'm looking at it right now. 2.30. <clears throat> so like 11 and a half hours later or whatever. He just tweeted out, seen anything good on TV lately? <laughs> that got a chuckle out of me. It was good stuff. Um, yeah, so that's really it. Uh, I'm sure there's other stuff that I missed from The Mandalorian. But it's 1 o'clock in the morning and... I don't know. Been a long day. <laughs> been a long night. I've been fucking around with my computer. Whatever. Um... So what's coming? Honestly, I don't even know why I'm going to look look this up because 
there's nothing coming out. It's the end of the year. Uh, let's scroll down. We read the Wikipedia page because we're lazy, and that gets us the information. The 20th through the 26th. What's coming out this week? Double Dragon Neon, Override 2, Super Mech League, Super Meat Boy Forever. Who's your daddy? Earth Defense Force World Brothers, The Hong Kong Massacre. Don't know what any of those are. Super Meat Boy Forever, a new game? I guess it is a new Super Meat Boy game. Whatever. Um, yeah. Um, so for my little self-plugs this week, obviously, again, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, at Sixture. You can find me everywhere there. Um, I, obviously, I got articles coming out over on Screen Rant, and I just want to touch on streaming plans real quick. I, I'm sort of overhauling my streaming setup for 2021 pretty much short short way to do this i'm really going to try to focus on growth streaming and for streaming in 2021 uh because just streaming a bunch of random shit especially new newly released games isn't good for growth on twitch which is already hard enough to grow on in general uh so what we're going to be doing is every saturday every saturday Mostly mornings, but we'll see. Depends on the week. I'm going to be streaming Pokemon Nuzlocks for a few hours. Won't be playing it during the week. I'll just progress every Saturday from where I left off, and we'll. that's what we'll do. We're just going to do Pokemon Nuzlocks. If I start to build, build a little something, get something going, maybe I'll, I'll work in a second stream during the week, and we'll do two streams. And then maybe that second stream I'll count as a bonus stream or whatever. And if it if it continues to progress, then maybe I'll start to mix in some some other games. But that's the deal. Streaming Pokemon Nuzlocks every Saturday starting in 2021. So I just won't stream for the next couple of weeks and we'll figure all that out. But that's my general general plan moving forward right now. But anyway, that's all I got. It's late. I'm tired. My throat's actually kind of dry. I need a drink. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening. As always, I appreciate the company and your time. Have a wonderful week. If you celebrate Christmas, have a good Christmas. Have a good holiday if you celebrate anything else. And uh, I don't know. I'll catch you next week. We'll talk about my game of the year and... Whatever else I come up with, hopefully the end of Cyberpunk and whatever. So, adios. See you next time. Take it easy.